Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Um, excuse me for my nasal congestion-y voice because I'm struggling with allergies. It is fall here in New York City, and fall does not like me, even though I love fall. Um, that is not going to stop the party because today we have the amazing Rebecca Cantor, who is the head of education and the director of the Roblox Community Fund at Roblox. And you guys, we had so much fun. We're talking about how Roblox is used for education, the metaverse in education. What exactly is Roblox? What is the metaverse? We're talking all of that in Rebecca breaks it all the way down for us so we can better understand how we could use Roblox in our classrooms and for educational purposes. So if you're interested in wanting to know more about how to use it and what this is, keep on listening. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be with you. So before we get into any of the nitty gritty things that we always do here, we always like to start off with the question, um, what the term young influential means to you? Oh, young influential. Well, I think to me, there's a responsibility that my generation, millennials and generations coming after us have to think about how to influence the future course of humanity and society. And I see our opportunity as young influencers to shape that world around us in how we interact with everyday parts of our lives, as well as with the general arcs of our our civil society and our progress as a people overall. Oh, wow. Such a great answer. So eloquent. We love that. <laughs> like, I also think it, you. you touched on so many good points too, where it's like, we can do it at any age, any generation. It doesn't have to be a specific one. It, the responsibility doesn't just land on the one that's like currently empowered that like all generations can take part, which is so key here. And I feel like we're seeing more of it now where like people are starting businesses 
in high school and middle school and just like all different ages and with technology you can do anything at whatever age to have influence so you don't have to be 50 or 100 to do something which we love <laughs> absolutely i think can and should you know I, I think about every day for myself personally there's just so much opportunity to make people's lives better to help people suffer less and to think about the collective not just ourselves and i'm excited to see our generations continue to do that, whether as individuals in daily life or as we start to run for more offices, hold more offices, have senior leadership positions in companies, et cetera. As we come of age, I'm excited to see hopefully a, a new shared set of values and conviction to making the world better follow us. Yes. but And that leads us into our next thing, which is education and basically how you got here. So can you give us a little background on like how you got interested in technology? Like, was this something that you always were interested in school? Did you study it? Like, how did you, where does Rebecca's intro come from? <laughs> sure, happy to. So I was really fortunate to grow up in Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. I went to public school all the way through K through 12. And I was then fortunate to attend university. And when I was at school, I was actually studying kind of my create your own type major, which was a, a fusion of social sciences, economics, sociology, a little bit of the business school sprinkled in if I could get my way over to, to the business school campus from time to time. And I was really interested in applying a lot of what I was understanding in terms of frameworks and philosophy and macro and microeconomic trends and theories. And I realized that it was difficult for me to do that in the bounds of a liberal arts institution. So I started to think about what kind of organization, what kind of impact did I want to create or have? It didn't have to be starting something, but I'd been very fortunate during my high school years to be involved in a fantastic nonprofit that was working on combating child sex trafficking in the United States. And through that work, I'd come to know all of these other just fantastic young people who were advancing incredible missions and organizations. So I knew during my college years that I was interested in trying to continue having kind of that scale of impact and working in hopefully the philanthropic world or in the social entrepreneurial sphere. So I really got my start when I decided to take a couple years off of school and think about a, a way to connect some of the fantastic young people I met with businesses who could benefit from understanding the young influencers perspective, to use your words. So to, to understand what millennials, what Gen Z were thinking about, how their long-termism might benefit some of the corporations who have to march to a very quarterly drumbeat. So I started my first business during my time in school, and that was an expert network connecting these young entrepreneur experts to major brands to advise on their futures. And that's really what kicked off my interest in thinking about how we might provide more hands-on, more applied, more project-based educational opportunities during the main course of the school day, as opposed to just after school, where I think sometimes more project-based or applied work is relegated, because I just had such a positive experience witnessing so many other young people kind of really flourish and come into themselves by way of their after-school activities. And I thought, what an opportunity to try and bring that into the core school day. And that's really been the overarching thrust, I'd say, of my career to date was this focus on how do you improve student learning to have deeper aspects of thinking and application. And I was fortunate during my time after my first company was acquired 
to get to double click on this layer of the system, which is an assessment and how assessment shapes curriculum and instruction in particular was the question I was interested in. And I kind of came about assessment in a roundabout way. I just started to question why was high school so the same? Why hadn't it changed for, you know, a hundred years? Why was it the same kind of rinse and repeat model that our parents and our grandparents and our great grandparents may have experienced no matter where they were from pretty much. And I recognize that assessments were a big part of deciding the rules of the game, right? We all have gone through state tests or the SAT or the ACT, or maybe we went through different specialized subject area assessments, the APs, all of these tests collectively define the rules of the game, what all of our system was orienting towards, what success looks like. So my interest in technology came via my interest in education and assessment. And I started to work on research around game-based and simulation-based approaches to assessment. Could I drop you in a situation, look at how you used all the information available in that situation, and focus more so on your problem solving, on how you operate in those environments that are games or simulations, as opposed to, you know, did you remember all the bits of biology, which is important, don't get me wrong. But we already have a lot of assessments that are able to tease out, did you understand these key concepts in biology? What I was curious about was, could you use those? Could you bring those to bear in interesting and novel applications? So that's how I got interested in all of the technology that sits behind games and simulations and the power, the statistics and the specific type of statistics involved in psychometrics that's involved in assessment. So that's kind of where my interest in technology came from. I did not study it. I didn't major in CS in school. I didn't major in psychometrics or data science, but I have spent the last 10 years or so focused on these topics of assessment, psychometrics, games, and simulations, and kind of the nexus of all of the above. And I feel like you touched on so many good points. Like, first of all, like how I feel it, like you said, like high school and school kind of didn't change. There was like, I feel like the same like template. And then also that whole like blanket way of how we like the AP test and all that stuff, how it was very just like generalized. And it really didn't, because that was like one thing I always struggled with, like and my like school learning where like the ABCD type test, I always did horrible on, like could never pass on. But if you did it where it was like a written thing or something where you can kind of like see more of like how a person thought of how they got to that answer, or whatever, I always did very well on and stuff. And I feel like a lot of times schools and stuff don't really look at other ways of models and like they base a child's like uh, trajectory or education if they off those like blanket ways we've been doing it for like, 50, 100 years instead of like looking at new ways of how we can look at a child's like education, how they think of stuff and problem solving, like you said. And I'm glad to see like different that we're starting to now unlock that and be like, okay, there's more than one way to like see how somebody's thinking or like how somebody can get the same answer just because of the same way as how I pictured it. So I really, I really like how we're now seeing more of that being expanded on. Yeah, hopefully. You know, it's very challenging to build high quality assessments. We don't think about it a lot, but even those multiple choice tests, we have to constantly make sure we're measuring what matters. We're measuring in a way that's fair, valid, and reliable, meaning it's consistent. If you take it several times, hopefully you get similar scores each time you take that assessment because it's reflective of an underlying truth, which is what you know or what you're able to do or some combination thereof. So it's hard to think about translating to a more open space where you have a lot more autonomy to express yourself and express what you know and can do 
in very different ways. And that's what a game-based or a simulation-based environment offers us. But someone has to design that environment to really um, hone in on the canvas that we want to see you draw on, figuratively, of course, and then also has to be able to score what you do in a way that's fair, valid, reliable, predictive, if it's being used in a high stakes or predictive context. No, that's so true. And one thing before we get into the rest of like all the amazing things that Roblox does with education, can we zoom out a bit and go into like, can you give us like a quick summary of what Roblox is for like our listeners who aren't really who've heard of the platform or haven't heard of it who don't really know what it is absolutely so we were just talking about games and simulations and the abstract and the challenge of designing for an open canvas for people to express themselves creatively i can think of no canvas better or more open for that type of expression than roblox a platform that brings together millions of users every day as creators and makers of their own worlds, their own realities, their own environments and experiences for everyone to explore. So Roblox is a user-generated content platform that brings billions of people together And it's really focused on facilitating co-experience. So this idea that you're not just passively going about playing a game on your own, but you're in a digital experience that's immersive and you're there with friends, with people you've met through the community at Roblox Fosters in general, and you're doing things together. You're exploring, you're learning, you're growing, you're uh, playing and enjoying. And that type of connection and co-experience is really only possible on a platform like Roblox, where we're able to support just so many simultaneous users across such a breadth of experience that these users imagine and create. So Roblox itself doesn't publish its own games, it doesn't push its own experiences, and it just supports this ecosystem of creators. And anyone who wants to become a creator is welcome to use the free and open tool Roblox Studio, the authoring side of the platform, to develop anything they can imagine. If you can imagine it, you can create it. And Roblox is a place where you can then share that with the whole world. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. 
And what I think is so cool is like we've seen these types of we've seen these types of apps and games like from the past. I'm thinking of like we have like Sims and Second Life and stuff where we had these interactive digital communities. But when it came to like educational games and stuff, it was very like separate. It was like stuff that kind of already had like a rigored like setup of how they teach you and how they do stuff. So I think what's so cool about Roblox and stuff is like it's like, yes, this community is like used for like entertainment and stuff, but also of how it can be a place where people can gather, can create, but also can use as an educational platform and place versus like how in the past it was in separate environments to do it digitally, but how it can all happen under like one roof basically, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So as we think about the range of experiences one can have on Roblox, whether it's jumping into a virtual concert and a music experience, whether it's experiencing a brand and getting to interact with a brand's products or services on the platform, whether it's playing a more traditional game that someone's developed, or whether it's learning, the platform itself just offers such a diverse array of tools and technical capabilities. And on the education angle of our work, we want to lean into all of those, all of those themes that make it so engaging for people to spend time together in immersive digital environments. We've thought about as we author our education activities, how do we keep those at the core? So instead of divorcing the fun from the learning, which sometimes can happen when folks try and build educational games. You might skew too gamey and maybe you lose some of the learning value and rigor, or you might skew too educational and maybe you lose some of the game aspects that really bring the fun and engaging loops. We're trying to keep those two worlds closely coupled. So we've taken on a strategy of saying, first and foremost, content creators out there who know how to build high quality educational content we're going to help you meet fantastic developers in the roblox community and you all should work together on bringing to life aspects of curriculum and different subject areas that really lend themselves to needing multiplayer 3d robust kind of dynamic interaction of the type roblox can facilitate right because if not you know, why go through all the trouble and expense of developing something that's rich, that's 3D, that's immersive, that's interactive. You know, you want to make sure you have a meaty problem or phenomena or concept for students to dig into and explore that you're bringing onto the platform. So we've started the Roblox Community Fund that some of you may have heard about just over a year ago now. And we started that fund as a vehicle to help catalyze some of the growth in our educational content library and also to help some of our educational partners learn about how to bring these experiences into classrooms where it's either formal or informal learning, um, where students might be interacting with these experiences in groups, and where it might be helpful for educators or facilitators or caregivers at home to help folks understand and contextualize the type of learning and activities they're doing. So everything that's coming on Roblox education side is built with a lens towards how do we support rigorous and deep learning, but also how do we preserve the core game mechanics and core loops that are present in so many Roblox experiences that really build engagement in multiplayer gameplay. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I feel like what's really cool is like what you touched on is like how a lot of people think of platforms like Roblox and other metaverse type experiences, how they can be, how they're strictly entertainment because they've never heard about or seen it like, oh, this can be educational. I think what's really cool is like things like the community fund and stuff who like offer these re- educational resources and organizations like, hey, like we can find, there is a way for you to like, introduce your kids or introduce your classrooms or whomever into the metaverse and like also 
an educational and fun learning aspect of it. Because I feel like a lot of times people are like, oh, like, that doesn't really apply to me. Or like, I don't really, that doesn't seem like that could like fit into my curriculum or like what I'm doing and how my students can engage. But it's like a way, like you said, where it's like not too much fun. It's not too much game, but a way where everything can meet in the middle and still get that experience where you're educating, but also still like learning about a new platform and learning about a new space all at the same time. Right. Absolutely. And um, can you like also break down a little bit more about like what the Roblox community funded is like how it got started and like a little bit more of what are some other tools or classes or stuff that you all do to help the educational partners? Sure. So just stepping back, historically, Roblox, as I mentioned, has Roblox Studio, its authoring side of the platform. And historically, we've seen tons of organic adoption, lots of summer camps, tech boot camps, different programs outside of the core school day, where folks have been just teaching with Roblox Studio and where students have been learning with Roblox Studio. And they've been learning game design, game development, computer science, computer science principles. They've just been able to really dive into using Roblox as a teaching and learning platform. But as I came to Roblox and we started to think a little bit more broadly about, okay, what does the next chapter of our education work look like? We focused on expanding access to Roblox Studio. Absolutely. We continue that work and continue to laud the many organizations who use it for teaching and learning, particularly in computer science. But we also saw an opportunity to just have these fantastic digital immersive experiences on the Roblox client side. So where you play all of your other games or enjoy your music experiences or brand experiences on Roblox today to have educational experiences be free and available and open for folks to enjoy as well. And that's where Roblox Community Fund kind of came into the picture as a way for us to help outstanding teams of developers really link up and build their best visions of what educational experiences on Roblox could be like, whether it's a historical experience where students travel back in time and visit an environment that they couldn't visit today, whether it's an experience in science that transports students to Mars, for example, our partnership with the Museum of Science and their destination Mars experience and Filament Games, who's the developer on that project, or whether it's a robotics experience like the one First Robotics has been building in partnership with Roblox where folks are going to be able to build and compete with these large-scale robots that honestly feel a lot like what you build in real life, but are uh, available and accessible in a way that sometimes robot parts are not, depending on where you're from and and the, the cost and burden of getting those parts to, to students everywhere. So we're excited to see the Roblox Community Fund as a catalyst for all of these different types of educational products and to really sorry, not products, experiences, so that we're able to really expand the aperture in, in what people imagine doing with Roblox. And again, everything is free. It's open during the school day. Anyone can use it. And these developers are really creating an ecosystem of content that's outstanding, standards aligned, rigorous, et cetera. And I think that what's so cool is um, like what you said, like how it's free resources. Because I feel like a lot of times whenever teachers or people want to get access to these new technologies or these new experiences and really kind of elevate their curriculum and things like that. They come with like hefty prices or they're hard to access. And it, there's just a lot of roadblocks. And I feel like with you all, like you guys offering access like this and making the resources free is just so just so forward thinking and just so like ahead of its time. Cause it's like, you're training other people to use and then like also give back to this community and then kind of inspiring them where it's like, Hey, like, the museum's doing this cool thing. Like, I think our classroom can do this to like maybe do a virtual thing to explain like where we come from in our part of the country. And it just like kind of um, like serves as like the catalyst to 
inspiring other classrooms and other projects and creates that collaborative community, which Roblox is, which is so cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a careful balance for us to strike always between ensuring that there's a sustainable business model for all developers on Roblox and particularly our education developers, many of whom are very specialized and have come to become real experts in this balancing of games and educational learning objectives and how do you marry the two. But there's also a need for us to, as you said, Colin, provide open access. So we've been thinking a lot about what does that experience look like during the school day? And then what does general gameplay look like on these educational experiences when kids are not in school or when adult learners are not in school? And when they're just playing for fun recreationally, because something like the first robotics experience is so mind-blowing and fun, and we're so excited for the community to experience it, that we know there's going to be a lot of gameplay that's just outside of schools, and that's fantastic, too. So we're thinking about how do we support developers and allow them to monetize when they're outside of school and where it's appropriate to do so, but how do we make sure that there's always a robust kind of core set of levels or features and a basic premise for a course or a lesson in the school day that's free and open. So that's kind of how we've been striking the balance so far with our grantees is thinking about access in those educational settings as being protected and open for all, and then thinking about our kind of cosmetics, add-ons, upgrades, additional levels, et cetera, that might be available in these experiences when you're playing at home or not in a formal learning context where developers are able to have kind of some sustainable revenue that helps them continue to build out and keep these games and experiences up to date and robust. I think that's so cool, like to offer the developers and stuff, these cool resources too, that encourages that type of creation and innovation. Um, But do you guys like offer also like, in-person things for them to do like in person like if they wanted to meet other cool developers or meet some of the educational partners that they've like created cool projects for like do you guys do a lot of in-person stuff where it kind of serves as like okay I can finally put a face to the name of like who I've been like working with or the resources and stuff that I've done stuff with. Definitely. I'd say our partners themselves do a lot of professional development with educators in classrooms. Some of that's in person, some of it's virtual, particularly post-COVID, some of that's still virtual. But one thing that's interesting, just stepping back, you know, throughout the development of these experiences, one thing we always want to make sure that our developer partners and our educational partners are doing is making sure they're developing these experiences in ways that include students in the loop the whole time, right? That they're really effective and engaging and interesting. So our partner in the Museum of Science Boston, who I mentioned, is working on a Destination Mars experience. They've been prototyping with students in the loop, with educators in the loop the whole way through. So a lot of in-person interaction between the developing studio, Filament, Museum of Science, and students and educators who are going to be the end users. So we're constantly looking for opportunities to bring folks together, both virtually and in person. And we uh, we have meetups sometimes across our portfolio of grantees and partners, which is really fun as well. That's so cool. And I feel like <clears throat> that's so important too, because I feel like a lot of times we can get caught up in developing something for a particular audience, whether it be students or whatnot. And then we forget to have their input to be like, oh, yeah, we forgot to do that. This actually might not be something they're interested in. And so I feel like that's so key and important that, like you said, like you are including those students or the audience that you're trying to reach. So you make sure that it all aligns with like, will this be a tool or something that they're actually interested or is there something we're missing that we are not including? So I think that's so key and so important. Yeah, I think there's such an opportunity also for a lot of the designers who are 
in this nexus of marrying educational learning objectives and best of game design and practices around Roblox specifically for those folks to share knowledge when they're in person. And we have the Roblox Developer Conference actually coming up this weekend. I'm not exactly sure when you'll be airing this, but coming up in the first weekend of September, we have a our annual gathering that brings together tons of the Roblox developer community to share best practices, learn more about the platform and what's coming out next, and to just really foster a supportive ecosystem for each other as creators. So certainly that in-person time always matters to us too, and we're psyched to have the opportunity to do it at a large scale coming up soon. That's so exciting. And like now kind of moving off into like the fun part of it, is there something like whether it be a museum or an educational experience that you would like to see in Roblox? Like when you really said the museum in Boston, I immediately thought of like, oh, I'd love to see like the Louvre or something like that inside, like to, yeah. for those who would like to get a virtual tour, like that would be something that I'd like to see. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, there are so many subject areas and so many organizations that we're excited to see bring those different subject areas to life, be it experiences that touch mental health and social and emotional well-being for students be it experiences that really bring to life historical times and uh, societies in a way that we can't experience viscerally via a textbook or even film, or whether it be reading experiences and digging into language learning with a platform like Roblox. So those are some of the themes I'd say I'm really excited to see continued uh, development and proposals from lots of partners to bring to life on the platform. But the great thing about Roblox and the ecosystem overall is people are just constantly creating, you know, it really is a world where folks are just imagining and then building and iterating and working together to refine what they're putting out there. So I expect that we'll see innovation across all of those different types of categories and more in our educational development as well. No, that's, that's so cool. And I can't wait to see how those different areas like develop as time goes on, especially the reading part. Like I would love to see someone do a reimagination of like Jane Eyre or um, I don't know, like what's another favorite one, like, or like Harry Potter or series of unfortunate events or something. That'd be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very cool. Yes. Well, stay tuned. I'm hopeful that we'll have a whole genre of reading with Roblox experiences. Oh, so cool. And then my last question is what advice do you have for if like you're, if I'm a teacher or someone out there who's like, oh, I'd like to use more metaverse tools or things um, for my classroom to kind of meet my students in the middle of how we can like be educational, but also play at the same time. Like what uh, what advice would you have for them to kind of learn a little bit more about whether using Roblox or just learning more about how they can implement metaverse type things into their curriculum? Yeah, so definitely check out education.roblox.com. That's our microsite for all of our education work. It's kind of a one-stop shop where you can see developer documentation if you're interested in building different educational experiences, where you can see guides if you're a parent or an educator on how to help your students use different experiences on Roblox. And if you're a student, where you can find out about some of the exciting experiences in our Learn and Explore sort. So if you're a Roblox user, make sure you check out that Learn and Explore sort on the Discovery page where you can really get in there and experience some of the fantastic creations that developers have already built. And stay tuned for more to come. We have several of our Roblox Community Fund experience partners launching uh, later this year and early next. So we're excited to see those experiences make their ways to classrooms as well. Well, I'm excited. So I hope everybody else is. This is going to be so good. 
But Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us and just expanding our minds and our knowledge to all that <laughs> we can do with education in Roblox. So cool. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. Wow. How great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Aarons, and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 